everything kind of comes together and you have an experience of Christmas and maybe family and it's, everything just kind of works. And we look at that and we just wonder at, at the gift that we have of life and the wonder of what God has done in our days and kind of in and around us. And it causes us to stop and to wonder. And it kind of blows our mind a little bit. And that's an amazing feeling, right? When everything kind of comes together and works, like, right? like when Ohio State crushes Michigan, that, that just works, right? It's a beautiful thing. It all comes together. There's, there's also moments of, of wonder that kind of cause us to stop and to think. Uh, not stand in awe in wonder, uh, but cause us to say, wait a minute, uh, why is this happening to me? God, what are you doing to me? I wonder what's going on in my life. It doesn't quite make sense. Help me figure this whole thing out. I wonder, God, what are you doing? Right? So we kind of want to look at at that from both angles, I think. Because I think uh, around the Christmas season, as we wrap up a year and start to look at kind of the reality and the nostalgia of that holiday, it causes us to give pause and to really take a deeper dive and reflect on our lives and really say, what, what have we been doing here? And God, what have you been doing in my life? And where am I headed? And what, what is happening right now? And of course, we're not the only people to experience that. Uh, it, we're going to look back here. What I get excited about is, is kind of going back and looking at uh, some of the people that would have asked the exact same questions that we're asking today. They asked them thousands of years ago. And th- these are going to be the people whose lives were kind of invaded by the person of Jesus, by his birth specifically. And so I think for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's going to, this series kind of be helpful to help us appreciate what Jesus has done and why he came and kind of recenter us around kind of the real reason of Christmas. I think if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe investigating your faith, I think this is going to be really helpful to, to ask some real big questions and, and kind of see that the nitty-gritty pieces of humanity, that when we look at the Bible and kind of what God said and how he even entered the world, it's so profound to me. Uh, and I would have been an atheist for the vast majority of, kind of most of my upbringing in my early adult life. And so for me, when I, when I began to see the nitty-gritty humanity of people that interacted with Jesus and even how Jesus showed up on the planet, kind of blew my mind. Like, who would write a story like that? If this is the real thing, it's fascinating to see how God chose to enter the world. Like, who would pick to do it that way? We're going to see it from both sides, right? If you're a Christ follower, be encouraging. I think centralizing for your faith. If you're not, I think it helps you understand why Christ followers believe what they believe. And maybe it's a time to really investigate hope that you could have as maybe you put your faith in Christ. So that's what we're going to dive into here for the next handful of weeks. And we're really going to kind of dive into the stories of individual people that that would have interacted with Jesus, like Mary and Joseph and uh, what we would know of as the wise men or the magi, and kind of see it through their eyes. And we want to understand that and kind of see that picture and that story play out. And I think what we're going to find as we do, uh, that these are real people uh, that have real questions and even sometimes real doubts, and they feel the burdens of life just like we do. You know, to watch them respond to those burdens, I think, is a profound thing. So that's what we're going to do, and uh, today we're going to start off with a story of, of kind of Mary, and Mary is going to be the woman who gave birth to Jesus, right, going to be Jesus' mother here on earth, and 
and we're going to see how she responds to this unbelievable news. It's a fascinating story. I've been thinking about it, obviously, in it all week, and I can't wait to kind of expose and show everyone that this is what this is what Mary would have interacted with. And let me just kind of give you some background even before we turn to her story. Because we're, we're talking about the ancient world here. And the ancient world functioned very, very differently than we would think uh, in many different areas of life. And one of the areas that's super different is how people got married. Uh, like in our world today, I, I mean, kind of you see somebody you're attracted to, you're like, what's up, hottie? Let's start dating. You know, you kind of approach somebody and uh, you... You get to choose who you want to go out with. You can say yes or no, and then you start to date each other. And if that goes well, you might get engaged. If that goes well, you're right. You're gonna you're gonna go all the way to marriage. And that's the process of forming a relationship that we would think of. That's what we would have in our mind. In the ancient world, it's vastly different. And so here's kind of what Mary would have been in the middle of, uh, because. The writer here that we're going to look at when they're talking about Mary and, and her life, they kind of assume that we know all this stuff, so we have to get up to speed a little bit. So here's what would have happened already. Uh, Mary's parents and uh, Joseph, this guy that she's connected to, she's betrothed to is the biblical word, right, that she would have been connected to, their parents would have had some conversations, and those conversations would have been something like this. Hey, I notice you have a daughter, right? I have a son. I'll give you two goats for your daughter. Let's have our son and daughter get married. Right? Some version of that is actually how a marriage would form. It would have been an arranged marriage. Uh, they literally would, would have paid a price to have Mary uh, become a part of their family and have her son marry, uh, marry Mary. And so they would have joined themselves together. And how it would have worked in this culture is they would have kind of negotiated what we call the bride price. So Joseph would have had to pay literally like a goat or two to, to say, hey, I want to marry Mary, and I want to join my life to her. The parents would have arranged that. They would have been kind of legally connected to one another. So it would have been like they were engaged. That word is betrothed, where they set that in motion, and then they wouldn't see each other for about a year. So you can imagine Mary and Joseph both kind of know this is coming, uh, they know they're going to get married to each other. They're committed. They're paid up. It's good to go. But now Joseph would be disconnected, and probably what he was spending his time on would have been building Mary a house to live in. So they kind of build a house for his family. So he would have been off and away doing that. Uh, Mary would have been kind of just a part of her family like she always would have been. And they would have been kind of waiting to get married, waiting for that all to play out, and it's in the midst of that waiting that Mary is uh, kind of visited with some unbelievable news. And that's where we pick up the story uh, today here in the book of Luke. And uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. And so if you have a Bible, definitely want to go ahead and open to Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can open your phone. Uh, if you want to kind of look on version, you can do that uh, and, and follow along that way. Or you can just listen as well. So we're going to be in chapter uh, 1 of Luke, and let me read you just Luke 1, 26 and 27, and here's kind of what's happening. It says in Luke 1, starting in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, 
And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay, so Mary's a virgin, uh, right? She's never been with a man. She's engaged to Joseph. Out of nowhere, right, this angel kind of appears to her. You imagine how disturbing that would be. An angel kind of shows up out of nowhere, and he says to her, Greetings, you're, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And so out of nowhere, she didn't invite it. She wasn't looking for this. God kind of invades her story. He shows up into the midst of her waiting, and she's got, she's got a future set, and she has a plan set, and she would have had all that in her heart and in her mind, I'm sure. And out of nowhere, this angel shows up, and he says, hey, guess what? Uh, you are favored of God. God is going to be with you. And now Mary is taken off guard with this. Here's what it says, right? We just read this. Angel went to her, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The response is interesting. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And here's our word. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Why is there an angel showing up and saying these things to me, Mary would have thought. I'm a, I'm a peasant girl. Uh, I, I'm nobody special. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not high and mighty. I'm not somebody who's important on a, a list or in power somewhere. I'm, I'm just a teenager. Mary would have been probably between 12 and 14. If you, if you maxed it out, somebody in Mary's position would have been about 16 years old. So she's definitely a, a teenager. And she would have seen this angel show up in her life, kind of God's messenger show up in her life, and she receives this message and she's troubled by it. Why would you, God, why would you come into my life and invade my life and say these things to me? It caused her to wonder. She has this first moment of wonder. God, what are you doing in my life? Why are you doing this to me? What, what, what is happening right now? Why would this angel say these things to me? She's wondering in the midst of it. Now as the story goes on, here's what happens in verse 30. It says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Right? She's afraid. She's fearful. She's troubled. It says, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Angel out of nowhere. Peasant girl in the midst of engagement. The angel says to her, hey, listen, um, you're, you're highly favored. You actually get to have the privilege of having a baby. That baby is going to be the very son of God. It's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be the king, that, that the Old Testament, that her faith would have been talked about for, forever and ever and ever and ever. This would have been absolutely mind-blowing to Mary. I mean, I mean, just would have nuked her. Like, what are you even talking about right now? How is it even possible that I could have a son? And that's exactly what she says next. If you look later in the, in the passage here in the next verse, in verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Uh, I'm having a baby. I've never been with a man. 
how am I going to do this? What, what are you talking about? You're talking about something that's impossible in our thinking. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and overpower you. Uh, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary responds to this. And I, and I think her response is fascinating. And we're going to talk about that. Here's what she says. She receives this unbelievable news, mind-blowing news. And she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to, be, to me be fulfilled. So then, then the angel left her. We've got to kind of get into Mary's shoes here. right? Feel what she was feeling in the midst of this. Mary, when she received this news, the angel shows up and he says all this to her and he delivers this unbelievable announcement to be highly favored, to bear the Son of God, to be a, a woman who now is a virgin but now is pregnant with this unbelievable child who has a, this future and this destiny that, that's beyond even what any of us could imagine. It sounds amazing, but what also is tied to that that we, we have to recognize is when she says yes to this, okay, angel, I'm, your, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. What she's saying is this. I'm willing to do whatever God wants to do in my life because she knows now that the husband, the betrothed that she's connected to is going to look at her and say, uh, how did you get pregnant again? Oh, God made you pregnant? An angel showed up? Really? Right? I mean, who would, can you imagine that story playing out in your life? You're engaged. You're disconnected. You're building, your, you're building a house for your wife, right? We'll talk about Joseph next week. You imagine receiving that story. It might be hard to believe that. Seriously? God, God made you pregnant. The Holy Spirit made you pregnant. So she knows that, that if, if her fiance believes that, even if he said, yeah, even if she was able to keep that relationship intact, man, everybody else is going to know about this thing. And how would I ever convince everybody? So I'm going to have this reputation, and people are going to view me differently, and they're going to think ill of me, and they're going to question me, and they're going to judge me, and I have to bear this burden. Now, I'm the girl who claimed that God made her pregnant, like forever. That's my story now, right? Because nobody else is around to see this. Nobody else is around to witness this. It's Mary and this angel. And so they're having this interaction, and she's going to be doing all this math in her head, thinking, how, how exactly am I going to explain this to my parents, you know, and to my friends, that now I am pregnant somehow? They're going to think ill of me. They're going to wonder. They're going to question. They're going to whisper. They're going to gossip. And maybe people who I've valued closely in my life will no longer be close in my life anymore because, because this, is the, this is the news that I need to bear. I'm the Lord's servant. Boy, what a, what a burden. What a privilege. What an honor. But what a burden to bear. And I wonder, have you ever bore a burden 
that feels too heavy to bear. Maybe God's doing something in your life or you're in a situation or a circumstance that's it's just overwhelming. Maybe it's because of stuff that, that, that we have done or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just circumstantial. Maybe it's just a health concern or a financial concern or a relational breakdown or something happened in your life and, and now you're under this, this burden, this load that feels crushing to you. And you wonder, how am I going to do this? How, how am I going to live under this? Maybe like Mary, you, you wonder, how, how am I going to explain this to the people in my life? How do I live under this weight? It's incredible. I, I love Mary's humility. I think even at a young age, even as a teenager, I think she figured out some stuff that, that I, I feel like I'm still learning. Um, because I think she when under the, the burden of God's work in her life, the privilege and the honor, but also the burden, I think she figured out how to carry that weight in a way that, that put the weight back on God and put her trust and her faith and her submission into him. When I was reading and studying about Mary's story in her life, I, I came back to a, a quote from C.S. Lewis that has been absolutely foundational for me for the last handful of years now. I wanted to share it with you guys. I think it makes a ton of sense. Here's what C.S. Lewis would say. He says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way that you carry it. It's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way that you carry it. See, Mary, under this load, under this new burden, under this new calling in her life, she could have looked at all that weight and been absolutely crushed by it. You imagine where the anxiety could have run? How am I going to do this? How could I be the one who's going to raise the Son of God? And what am I going to tell my parents? And, and how's it going to work? And what am I, what am I going to do? And what are, we, what are we going to tell Joseph? And maybe she did some of that. And it's not all in the story. We can't see between the lines of how, how Mary actually got to the place where she was able to say, I am the Lord's servant. But somehow she found her way to that outcome. She found her way to that life position and that heart position to say, Hey, I, I'm in. God is my God. I'm going to follow him no matter what. She could have tried to fight against the situation and buck it. Honestly, that's what I do half the time. Right? When, sometimes when God's working in my life, I, I try to buck it a little bit. About nine months ago, um, some of you guys know this story, when we had a, a leadership transition here, I came over to the Ellet campus uh, and jumped in and, and began to hang out with you guys for a little bit. I knew that the Lord was asking me to do that. And then as the Lord was leading here and, and working through you folks and meeting new people and seeing God work, seeing people come to know Jesus and seeing the needs of our community here, I began to feel more and more burdened uh, to, to move over here and to be more and more involved. But at least in my journey, in my heart, I, I bucked that a little bit between me and God. I don't know, God, is that, is that what you're asking me to do? I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to say yes to that. I don't know if I'm ready to be your servant in that way. For me, it's often a little bit slow. 
for me to say yes to what God's asking me to do. I'll fight against it, or I'll try to find another way around it, and I wish I could know more of Mary's story to know if she did some of that. I I wonder what it felt like for her. Can you imagine? How am I going to do this? I'm just this peasant girl. I'm just a teenager. Why do I have this responsibility? Isn't there somebody older or smarter or more talented or more gifted that, that could bear this weight? Why me, God? Those are questions I would ask if I was in her spot, just being honest. But I think, I think she came to the place where she figured out how to carry the weight well. I think this is what C.S. Lewis was talking about. It's not the weight that, that breaks us down. It's the way that we carry it. And somehow, in Mary's simple faith, I think she was able to get to a place where she put the burden on on the Lord, and she pulled him in and said, Lord, help me carry this. Maybe a a passage like this was in her mind, come near to God and he will come near to you, James would say. Come near to God. Somehow she, I believe, as we hear her song play out later in uh, what we call the Magnificat, later in uh, chapter one of Luke, Here's what she would say. Let me just read you a couple passages of how she processed this a few months later. She said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. See, somehow Mary drew near to God, he drew near to her, he gave her perspective that even though this is burdensome, even though this feels like it's beyond what I could carry, even though sometimes the weight feels like it's going to crush me, she was able to, to find a place to glorify God in the middle of that, to say, I rejoice in God my Savior. I think, God, I thank you for what you've done. She had vision for how God was going to use this burden to even help her and to make her life something that it, it couldn't be on its own. Here's where Mary landed. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. She landed in a place where she would say, God, um, here's my life. Right? I don't own it. It's not mine. He, he, you know I have a plan. Here's my plan. But I, I lay my plan down and I choose to be your servant. Like what you want to do in my life, I'm in for that. You want to take my plan and shred it and send me in a different direction than I ever had, I'm in. I'm the Lord's servant. God, you, you want to work through a difficult relationship and cause me to move towards pain and bring up something I don't really want to bring up, but I know I need to bring up because peace is important. I'm the Lord's servant. Lord, you call me to be pure in in the midst of a difficult and impure culture. I'm the Lord's servant. Or you you want me to practice self-control in a 
place that where materialism runs rampant, I'm the Lord's servant. It caused me to look like a fool. It caused me to, to be misunderstood. It caused me to be whispered about or gossiped about or spoken against. I'm the Lord's servant. No matter what, I'm in. See, Mary, somehow, man, I, I would love to have talked to her. I have a feeling that Luke probably got to interview her. I wonder what it would have felt like to sit across the table and ask Mary, you know, what did it feel like to be given this burden? Somehow she figured out how to follow a God. Because here's the thing. What Mary's doing here when she says this, when she says, I am the Lord's servant, what she shows is that she truly understands what it is to have a God in her life. Say, Ryan, what do you mean by that? Guys, it, it, it's Christmas time, right? So we're going to celebrate Christmas, and that's good. We're going to go to church, and that's good. We're going we're gonna to play Christmas song. That's good. It's all good. Nothing wrong with that. And we have to remember that the impetus, that the beginning point, the starting point for all of that was, was that the person that we believe in as God, he put skin on and he came here. He entered the very creation that he formed and he spoke into existence. That's the celebration of it, that, that, that our God became a man, and that, 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 that God is someone that we wrap our lives around and we, we place our lives under. When we talk about following Jesus and remembering Christmas and, and, and recognizing the birth of our Savior, what we're not doing is just talking about being a part of a kind of a religious organization or running through some religious motions, or attaching a little bit of Jesus to our lives. You know, that, that, that we could get our financial life in place and our relational, right? Get, I want to get my marriage fixed, or I want to find that spouse, and I want to get my education, and I want to have my life path and my life plan, and then I should probably add a little bit of Jesus onto it. Mary's not doing that, man. Mary's saying, you are my whole life. I am, I am the Lord's servant. Wherever you want to take this thing, or wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do with me, you, make me, you ask me to do something that I, I think is going to be fearful or bring harm to me. I, I don't understand it. I have a hard time trusting. I'm in. Why? I'm the Lord's servant because Mary had made God God in her life. Here's the thing, whoever I serve the most and whatever I'm the most obedient to is the God in my life. Do you hear that? Whatever I say yes to, no matter what, whatever I'm the most obedient to, that, that thing is the God in my life. If I would look and say there's an opportunity where I can make a lot of money, but it's gonna, I gotta cut some corners or I gotta take some costs or I gotta leave my family and I gotta be gone all the time, but, but it's, there's money there, then, then money is my God. If I look around at my family, my family wants me to meet their expectations and, and I, I need to say yes to them no matter what, then my family is my God. If I would look at God and say, hey, whatever you want me to do, whatever you say to me here, 
no matter what it costs me. I am the Lord's servant. I'm in. There's a predetermined yes. I don't care what the question is. I don't care what the burden is. I don't care what happens to my life. You are my God. That, that's what Mary did. She landed there. Guys, that when we talk about following Jesus here, this is what we're talking about. I wish I could sugarcoat it and make it simpler for you or, or lower the bar. <laughs> but Jesus laid his life down. He would show up as a baby. He would be raised in Mary's home. She would never totally understand him. That kid would have a vision for life that would be beyond anything she could imagine. And she, she would watch that boy turn into a man, and that man would bear her sins on a cross one day. She'd watch him be crucified. That's her God. She said yes to. And she recognized some of that. She didn't know all of it, but she knew she was in. Because I think this is how God works in our lives here today. You say, Ryan, what do I do with this? What do we do with Mary's story and how it plays out at Christmas? I think one of the best things we can do is we kind of prepare our hearts and our minds for Christmas is to begin to recognize what it is we're actually celebrating here. And to look and to say that this baby that's being born, I'm his servant. I want to give my life to him. I want to surrender myself to him. He's going to be the one that paid for my sins. I'm in on that. As even today, you, you might be hearing that for the first time. You may be like me, and you never really knew the message. Uh, you, you never heard that Jesus came to the planet and lived perfectly and died innocently and raised victoriously. And that he did that because he loves you, not because he's mad at you or hates you, but because he wants to give his life to you and save you and rescue you from sin, from hell and death. You might be hearing that for the first time and you might be, might be here kind of looking for purpose and looking for an answer. Maybe that's the answer you're looking for. That was mine. And I, I would say every searching heart and every hungry soul is looking for that answer. For Christ. Born as a baby. Just like you and me perfect and innocent, flawless. Guys, and for, for the rest of us, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who would look and say, man, I, I'd raise my hand if you asked me, do you follow Jesus? Yes, I do. Are you a Buddhist? Are you, are you a Muslim? Are you, are you a Christian? I'd check Christian. When we say that, are we saying the same thing that Mary is saying? Lord, Here's my life. I am your servant. I'm in. What's the question again? Yes 
I follow you. I don't really care where you lead me. I'll wrestle and I'll question and I'll struggle sometimes, but I'm in. <laughs> when you look at the burden that you're under, the calling that you're under, the weight that you're under, can we, like Mary, land in a place where we say, Lord, I am your servant? The beauty of it is we don't have to do it alone. The Lord's not looking at us, asking us to muscle through it or make it happen. He's saying, I'm with you. I, I want to carry the burden and share the weight with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Just include me in it. Come near to me. I'll come near to you. This is the band comes out and we sing and we pray and we think, can we land there? In, in whatever place it is we find ourselves, in whatever weight it is, or I'm your servant, be with me. I need you. Would you pray with me? We'll sing together. Father, life in this, in this body and on this earth sometimes is is overwhelming. Sometimes it's scary and it causes us to stop and to wonder and to, and to ask you, Lord, where are you in it all? How, how did I get here? And what are you doing? And the Lord, today we'll, we want to land in a place where we look at you and we say, God, you are our God. And we want to be people that say yes. We will be your servants. We will love you and we will trust you. We'll follow you. And we'll consider our lives, Lord, nothing because our lives are over because you gave us life. We're new. Lord, would you help us with that today? Help us to believe, to submit, to trust you like Mary did. Lord, we need you. Meet us here.